Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Back Check. My name is Brendan Azoff. With me, as always, is Stefan Rosner, and we got a great show planned today. We're going to really dive into the Rangers and Islanders. Obviously, two overtime losses last night. Uh, every single East Division game went to overtime, which is just absurd. We're going to talk about the Sabers and Devils as well a little bit later on because that game happened. It was a matinee. It was fun to watch. I mean, it was a good hockey game. So we will talk about that as well. But Stefan, to kick things off here. I'm going to propose a question to you. It's not a ridiculous question, but I just want to see what your take is, okay? Yep. If a goaltender has a career 3.01 goals against average and a career save percentage of 9.12, is he a starter or a backup? 3.01 goals against average, 9.12 save? Yep. You're a fringe starter. Okay. That's right. Alexander Georgiev's career goals against average. This season, it's at 327 and an 886. You're a backup. He should not be splitting time. No. And I'm not here to tell you that Chesterkin's numbers are any better because they're really not. They're they're slightly better this season, especially goals against wise. But after coming off a win where he only allowed two goals, he should be starting and it shouldn't be a split. And David Quinn has to get that out of his head. And I'm going to say something now that might tick off a lot of Rangers fans. Alexander Georgiev has never been a starter caliber goaltender in the NHL. It has never been the case. Last season, everyone threw Lundqvist under the bus. Georgiev's numbers were not far off from Henrik Lundqvist. They were both over three goals against. Their save percentage was both in the low nines. It was not something where Lundqvist was that much worse than Georgiev, but we just expected so much more from Lundqvist that he was the easy scapegoat to throw under the bus. Alexander Georgiev is not a starting goaltender in the NHL. He lets in too many soft goals, lets in too many boneheaded plays, such as not covering the puck in the corner and OT, which we'll dive into soon enough. But he's not a starting goaltender. It should not even be a competition. And what you're doing now is you're sending a mixed message that Igor Shesterkin saying, hey, buddy, you're not really our starter. We don't trust you enough. You're going to be a 1A to somebody who's got a career three goals against average. So let me ask you something. When did Shesterkin uh, play his best hockey last year? During that stretch. How many goals? Stretch? 12. In a row, correct? No. What you well, play? it was, I don't, I'm not, I don't, not entirely sure how many in a row it was, but it was split because of the injury. But he, he did more than not, though, on that stretch. No, when they were winning, he was their goalie every night. Okay. Yes. So with the Rangers at the bottom of the division, pretty much needing to win mostly every night. You got to put the best goalie in that gives you the chance to win. Now, I, I get it. Sturkin has given up his fair share of soft goals this season. But your game yesterday, did he give up two five hole goals? It was two five hole goals. One was tipped. But when you're and when it's tipped in that position, there's no need to open your legs like that. He should have just stayed square. You got to save that. You got to save that one. And the second one, which, you know, let's dive into the Rangers right now, shall we? Uh, if we want. I'm, I mean, they, they make me miserable. The one thing I'll say is that you just mentioned the streak. Yeah. They had the opportunity to get one going like that. Exactly. He won a game. He was feeling good. And then he goes right to Georgiev. And the fact that New York Rangers Twitter, which is never a collective fan group, it's never we're all in on one person. I've never seen a more collective and unified stance on how much we hate Jack Johnson and how much we hated the move last night of starting Alexander Georgiev. Well, think about it this way. Look at the Islanders for a second. Varlamov is coming off a game where he allowed five goals in a second period that a couple were pretty weak, and it changed the outcome of the game. Guess who played yesterday? Barlamov. Barlamov did. And Sorokin's going to play tonight. 
Now they could have flip flopped it. They could have had Sorokin play last night and then have Varlamov play today. But for me, and I guess the same mindset that Trotz had was get Varlamov back in the net. Let him play a little better, shake it off. He didn't look great yesterday, but he allows only two goals. He allows three goals. The two goals that he did allow weren't really, he had no chance on their both backdoor goals. And the third goal in overtime was a little weak, but his defense fell apart. But if you don't let him play last night, you let Sorokin play. That's another 24 hours of his awful performance marinating. You can't have that. So for mm-hmm. God, Sturkin to have a, one of the better games he's played this year and then to sit on the bench, that's got to be tough. It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense to me. He stopped nine. He stopped 23 to 25 in his last game against Buffalo. Wasn't absurd, but he was a 920 save percentage. He did his job, and the two goals were both backdoor tap-ins, which no goalie's going to stop in this league. And if you do, you it must be some type of ridiculous save because especially when Jack Eichel's the one tapping it in backdoor, most of the time you're not stopping it. He's got a 273 and an 894 save percentage this year. So his numbers aren't superb, but it's also early, and his last start was his best start by heaps and bounds. So he should have been in goal. And it just makes your every time they look like they're doing something well, it's a coaching decision that winds up. Why? Like, like why was that decision made? We'll get, to that, we'll get to that with the Islanders as well, but continue. It's, it's really just – it's odd. To me, it's odd. And he's a college coach by trade, right? He didn't coach in the NHL. And it, it's like he's coaching a college team where he's trying to keep his kids all fresh. This is not college. These are professionals. You don't need to keep them fresh. If Georgiev plays once every seven games, he'll come in and he'll play okay that one game because he knows he has to or else he's not going to get a start anymore. That's his job. So Exactly. This is not what they're doing for school. They're not going out partying the night before. It's this not is their extra, job. It's not an extracurricular activity. So you got to ride Shesterkin right now. And then the the flip-flopping of the lines. And, of course, out of his control, as soon as a Rangers player gets hot, they get hurt now. Philip Edel got hurt against Pittsburgh, and now Colin Blackwell left the last game with the upper body injury, and he, he was their best forward for the, the two or three games he played. And to me, it stinks because if he's not hurt, Mika Zibanejad has to play, has to play more, and has to play better. And he has been the worst Rangers forward by a mile. I don't know what's happening to him. I don't know if it's still lingering effects of COVID, but he just looks slow. He doesn't handle the puck. I said in my reaction video after the game yesterday, he looks like he's playing to change. So he steps on the ice. He does whatever he has to do, nothing extraordinary, and then goes right off. He doesn't want to be on the ice for a goal or make a mistake. And when you're playing like that, that means you know that you're not playing well. He's got to bury one, and once he buries one, he'll get that confidence back. He's been robbed by Olmark a couple of times, but it's still – you scored how many goals last year in 57 games? You scored 41 goals in 57. We're not asking you to score 41 right now. We're asking you to score at least one and help contribute in some way, shape, or form to this team, and he has not. And it could be COVID-related. We saw in the NFL, Cam Newton looked terrible this year, but he said that he still felt the effects of COVID-19, and it tires you out, whatever the case may be. Or it could just be Zibanejad's off to a slow start. Clearly, he's a streaky guy, and he was just on a streak last year where he just dominated because he's not he's not a 40-goal scorer every year. He's that, he's very good, but he got on a roll last year and kept going. And the fact that he's off to a slow start, I just think it means when he does, Barry, they're going to come in bunches. The problem is, when's that going to happen? I was very impressed yesterday with Keandre Miller yet again. He's very good. He's a stud. And I was unimpressed with the play of Chris Kreider, specifically – at the end was the second period where he took that dumb penalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, a team that's struggling like the Rangers, you're a captain on this team. I, no, you don't wear the seat, whatever. You, you scored a goal in this game, but you take a dumb penalty like that, you're putting your team in a bad spot, a bad spot. Now, the, the Buffalo doesn't capitalize on it, correct? Uh, Pittsburgh, no. I mean, well, the, well, the, the penalty that he took made it four on four. So they didn't get a power play. They got a seven-second power play at the end. So nobody scored on the four-on-four. That's been the story. That was one of Kreider's best games this season, which says a lot because you said he was unimpressive. He did score. He did have the puck, and he actually used his speed a couple times wide. But for somebody that has the blatant speed that he has, he does not use it nearly enough with the puck. And it makes you scratch your head. So he did use it a couple of times. He did look a little better yesterday. I will give him that. 
But their big names haven't stepped up. And like you said about Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller is a little below him still, and then everyone else right now. Ryan Lindgren somewhere in the middle. Tony D'Angelo's looked a little bit better, but not special. And to me, you have OT, right? OT, your first unit, Adam Fox, Zabanajad, Panarin. Your second unit now, it shouldn't even be a hesitation. I know how good D'Angelo was last year offensively. Miller, right? And then you put either Stromer, Kreider, Stromer, Lafreniere. Okay, and then your third one, you put D'Angelo out there with Kako and whoever you want to fill the void with. Normally, it would be Edel. But Miller has played so much better than everybody else. And yesterday was Truba's probably best defensive game. Miller was still the better defenseman on that pairing. And he should be the guy. He should be your number two defenseman right now. No question about it. And this is eight games into his NHL career. He's a plus seven in eight games already. For Rangers team that's giving up goals. That says something. I know we don't judge based on plus minus, but it you can't judge like- based on plus minus. But they are a significantly better team when he's on the ice. No, no question about it. The prophecy will be on the ice. The, the last thing I'll say, and then we can start talking about the Islanders a little bit because <sighs> talking about the Rangers frustrates me to all pieces. Yeah, so does the Islanders. He has a, an ability, and there was a couple of times yesterday where he made a rookie mistake where he coughed the puck up. It's going to happen. There was one that, that sticks out to me. He turned it over right in front of that. And when I mean right in front, like he got the puck skating back, thought he could make a pass to his forehand. Kasperi uh, Kapanen, he deflected the pass and deflected it right to the right. So he was able to pick it up and shoot in one motion. And as soon as he shot the puck, Miller was right there, down on one knee, blocked into the corner, recovered the puck and got it out. If you're going to make a mistake, that's how you recover from it. Not only did he make the block, but he got the puck and got it out. We don't see anybody else besides Adam Fox do that. And the other thing is his ability to use his length, use his side and skating ability, deflect the puck into the corner, win the battle, and not only play defense but break out at the same time. Very rare do you see defensemen do that, and the Rangers have two that can. So now it doesn't become how many good defensemen can we add to this team. They need supporting cast of defensive defensemen that can actually play responsibly in their own end. I think they have one in Lindgren, so that means they have three. I think Nils Lundqvist is coming over, who's four, because he can play both. I think Truba, as your fifth defenseman on the third pairing right now, because that's how he's played, would be serviceable. And who could jump into that sixth spot? Is it Braden Schneider? Is it one of those young kids? Do they sign somebody who could just come in and play defense? That's a little bit better than Jack Johnson, please. Uh, I mean, please be better than Jack Johnson. But I think that they're building the foundation on defense. And they have the hardest thing to find is those top two. Right, you, It's very hard. You could Everyone is, could be a middle-of-the-pack defenseman where you have your good and bad games. But to find that top two that solidifies your defense that could play against the other team's top pairing, the top groups, they have that. If they need to at the end of the game, it should be Fox and Miller out there right now. If you're holding a lead, which they can't do, Fox and Miller should be out there right now. Similar every, to how it was McDonough every, out there. Every other shift, they should be out there. At the end of the game, yes. They, they really should, and they were. Like they, they didn't blow the lead in the third period yesterday at the end. They blew it early on. It was it was a bad defensive lapse in front. Nobody really came down to help, but it it's frustrating because that's three times, especially against the Penguins, that they have had a lead in the game in the third period. And all three times have been losses. Two of them in extra time, one in regulation. And when you're in a division where you're only playing teams like that, that's six points that they could have had in those three games that didn't have to require OT. And they could have been six points up on the Penguins right now. If you win those three games, right, instead of two, four, and one, your record's completely flipped and you're ahead of Pittsburgh. Yeah. They'd be, they'd be the four seed. They'd be four, two, and one. Well, that's why I don't think fans fans are you know, bailing on the Rangers, bailing on the Islanders. And it's like, okay, they're, well, for the Islanders, they're three points out of a playoff spot. Or that's what it was. I mean, it's it's you have 49 games left. Everyone's got to relax. You already knew this year that good teams weren't going to make the playoffs. At least a few. This division is so dominant. The Rangers are not as bad as their record says. Like you just said, how many games that could have gone either way for them and they just didn't. If the Rangers were playing in that other, the central, whatever it is, where it's Dallas, Tampa, Carolina, and then a mixed bag of everybody else, if they're playing games against Blackhawks and Detroit, you're not seeing this record right now. You're not. Well, that's just well, 
we could we could pretend. I mean, that's that's the case though. But I'm saying, like, listen, you know me, how critical I am on on a nature. Like, that's just my thing. I'll criticize no matter what. You could have a game where you shut the other team out, and I'll find the thing you did wrong and say you got to improve that. But to have this unrealistic sense of the Rangers are just a terrible team, it's not true because they're playing good. They're just playing really good teams where any mistake you make is going to go back in your net, and they're still the youngest team in the National Hockey League, so they're going to make those mistakes, and it costs them. The thing that pisses me off is that some of the mistakes that are being made are coaching decisions. Or veterans. Or veterans, which can't happen. It can't happen. Your young players, especially in this season, should be a supporting cast. They should not be your best players, especially when you have Zabanajad, Kreider, Panarin, Strom, guys that have played significant minutes and have produced. Buchnevich has been their best forward. Yeah. I like his game. I like his game a lot. So it, it it's tough. But let's move on to the Islanders, shall we? Speaking about veterans, the Islanders last night dropped their fourth straight. They are the, the first time last night that they went to overtime. So they got a point. But that was a big point. After the collapse on Thursday, allowing five goals in the second period, and they lose 6-3 on to the Capitals, which was just abysmal, back-to-back, just terrible losses. Head coach Barry Trotz said that they got to find joy in their game. When they find that, they'll play better. And early on in the game, they looked sluggish. They looked bad. They're down 2 nothing as period one comes to a close. Two backdoor plays. The first one, Varlamov didn't seem to track it. He was a little off in his crease, but he had no chance. Komarov lost his guy. That was the first goal. Komarov did the same exact, I'm going to jog in my own zone on ice. Misses the guy, they score. It's one nothing. Second goal, Mayfield loses, uh, loses his guy. He fails to get inside position. Tap in back door. The first goal was Warchak. Second one was Hayes. Two big body guys. You have to back off. Failed to do that. Islanders offense, nothing. Let me see. They had how many shots in the first period? It, it was not It was not good. They had six in the first period. Both the Flyers and the Islanders had six. Whatever Trot said after the first intermission, the Islanders woke up. I think he called out his veterans because, granted, Komarov cannot do what he did. It's, it's so frustrating because – there's a reason Trotz puts Komarov in. We don't know what that reason is, but there's definitely a reason. And to me, it was always because he's defensively minded. He's not an offensively gifted player. He does the little things. He forechecks. He gets pucks deep, but he plays good in his own zone. He's on the penalty kill. Yep. How are you having these plays if you are on the rink for your defense? How are you losing your guy in back-to-back games? Or, excuse me, in, in just games in general? That can't happen, but it happened, and the Islanders are down 2 nothing. But you got 40 minutes left to play. Well, in the next 40 minutes, the Islanders dominated. They outshot the Flyers 10 to 4 in the second. They outshot the Flyers 11 to 4 in the third. They score two goals in the second period. Everly, one timer. Pellick comes. The defense for the Islanders last night, like the defensive players, jumped in on the rush. Pellick made a great move to go behind the net, feed Everly, one timer. Goals 2 1. 2 2 Mayfield. He makes up for his mistake earlier in the game. Point shot goes in. It's 2 2. Islanders just dominate. They can't beat Hart, though. In the third period, we're going to overtime. And then overtime, defensive laps. I forgot who the other one player was, but Solodin skates across the slot, and Dobson gets confused because they cross each other. The flyer players cross each other. Lawton's wide open, skates around. Varlamov just decides, I'm going to drop. He drops, and Lawton holds, 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 and then beats him underneath his blocker. And that's how the Islanders lose. It's tough because this was a game where the Islanders should have had two points. Now, you look at the Capitals game. They fell apart. They didn't deserve the two points. They didn't deserve a point. They played terrible. This game, though, they woke up, played very well. They just could not get it done. And it's unfortunate because this is the game the Islanders need to play. If they want to get back in this thing, this is how they have to play. And the fact that they, over time, they were very laid back, took their time. They didn't pressure the Flyers, and they make a mistake in their own zone. Dobson had a great game. It's a tough play, the crossover, and I, I blame it more on Varlamov than him, but it was a defensive breakdown, and you saw three defensive breakdowns, three goals. And that's this is for a team that's based on their defense. They scored. They tied the game up. They showed, you know, great team effort. They said after the game they were talking about how much they played for one another, how much all, you know, stuff they usually say. They just don't get it done, just like the Rangers do. If the Islanders, if the Islanders handled the job in Tuesday – they get a point against the Capitals, at least a point. They sh- that game should go to overtime. Whatever happens in overtime happens in overtime. They get out to the big lead on Thursday. Can't hold on. That should be two points. It's three points. 
yesterday they should have gotten two points. They got a point, but that's you know leaving points on the table is going to hurt you at the end. We know what's going to happen. We know if it's going to be really close, the honors are going to look back and go, if we only did this, this, and this the first couple weeks of the season, we're in the playoffs. And it, it's tough pill to swallow because I was thinking yesterday, and I'm looking at the screen, I'm going, okay, let's be realistic, Stefan. Anders could just be a bad team this year. It could be one of those years where it's just things aren't clicking. The, the, you know, the rookies need to have time. To, the third line of um, Wallstrom, Pajon, and Bellows. Bellows was their best forward yesterday, besides the players that actually scored. He was The thing about Bellows that I really like is he gets into the offensive zone. He has a shoot-first mentality. Nobody on the Islanders has a shoot first mentality, but he is always looking. He came across the the offensive zone and took a slap shot from, I don't think he was at the top of the circles, and it just missed. Hit Hart in the right shoulder and just missed. No one else on the Islanders is doing that, but he generates offense every chance he can. This Pajot line with Wallstrom, and you saw Wallstrom score a couple of nights ago. We got hurt yesterday, a high hit to the head. We'll see what happens with that. But that line just flows. That line should be playing over the second line because the second line right now is – Leo, Kom- uh, Josh Billy on the left, Nelson and Leo Komarov, and Leo Komarov again should not be on. He shouldn't be in the lineup. Josh Billy looks terrible, terrible. But Brendan, we're seeing the same thing with the Rangers and Islanders. It's coaching decisions. You know how can you keep throwing Komarov out there if he's going to keep making those same mistakes? You don't have a lot of Doc Doc Cole. Put Doc Cole in. You know, put you have guys. You have guys on your taxi squad, and unfortunately. They keep putting Sorokin on the taxi squad to make room for these changes. Now, I don't know what they could do different, but I want to see Sorokin backing up Varlamov every game because if Varlamov has to get pulled, like the other day when Varlamov gave uh, five goals in the second period, they have Schneider on the bench. I don't think they wanted to put Schneider into the game. I don't think they wanted In that sense, you really should have. No, it couldn't have gotten worse. The game was already out of reach. Oh, I think you should have put Schneider in because you sort of want to see what he has if you have to put him in. Now, I get not wanting to put Sorokin in that position because if you put Sorokin in, well, what does that mean now for the back-to-backs? You know, But at the same time, if, you get, if, it, if it's you know, free ice time right now, put Sorokin and get him some minutes because you don't – again, he hasn't played in a couple of days. You're going to put him against a flyer team that just won, has momentum. It's a good flyer team. I know they haven't played well. We should get to this, by the way. AV benched Connect Me last night. He benched him. Uh- I saw the alert that Travis Connecting was getting benched. Yeah. And I said, am I reading this right? Because that makes no sense. And it's the same logic that applies to any of the Rangers or Islanders' best players, right? If they're struggling, they're struggling. Now I can see maybe demoting him off of the top line. Say, hey, you're not playing well. You're going to get dropped. That sends a message. Why would you take him out of the lineup, though, when that is somebody that at the drop of a hat could wind up finding and and lighting the lamp. And we've seen how good he could be in one game where there's multiple scenarios. He's at four point games in a night, right? So if there's a chance that he could do that, why take him out the line, drop him maybe to the third line, but don't scratch him. And this is something AV's done all the time with the Rangers. And why I said at the beginning of the season, I can't pick the flyers to win the cup because I know there's too many boneheaded decisions that can be made behind the bench. It's AV and David Quinn, AV and DQ as they're called. If you have a, Two, two letters that can describe your name as a head coach. Terrible coach. They don't call him BT. They call him Barry Trotz. Yeah, we're, we're safe. We're safe there. But uh, about Konechny, he has two shots over his last three games and was benched in the win against the Devils the other day in the third period. Something must have happened, and Morin led stretches. Morin has played three games over the last couple of years due to Injuries, injuries, injuries. He's defenseman. They dressed as a forward. Nice. They wanted him this offseason. They said, we want you as a forward. This guy should not be playing forward, not because he doesn't have the skill. He is huge. He does, he does not look like he should be a forward at all in this league. I was watching him play. He's number, first off, he's number 55, I believe, or a high number like that. Really big, tall guy breaking through the neutral zone. He got a nice shot off, but he doesn't look like an offensive player. The fact that Konechny didn't play – Says something, but I'm sure he'll be back in the lineup tonight, even though they did win without him. So that might say something as well. It's just, it's very frustrating. The good thing about the Islanders and that they have a game tonight is that now win tonight. You know, it's a back-to-back. If you get three points in two games, do that. You can't not get a point tonight because you already threw away points. Now you got to make it up. And especially with a bad, bad play, whoever played bad yesterday, you have a chance to make up for it tonight. You don't have to. 
you're not again it's not you don't have to let it i like to say it, you don't have to let it marinate in your head you live and you learn yesterday was unfortunate you got a point though you're back at it again tonight sorokin's in that so the islanders have to play the defense they played in the second and third period and if you go back to the capitals game the capitals did not get a shot on goal in the third period now again they were playing with the lead all they were worrying about was their defense getting pucks deep so they didn't they didn't try to get shots i guarantee if they wanted one shot on goal they would they scored the anti-net, so if you want to count that, but whatever. But they were dominant yesterday in the second and third. They allowed they allowed four shots in the second period and four shots in the third. You have Sorokin in that who you haven't played well in front of and you haven't scored for. You gotta play that you gotta play as tight defense as possible. I don't know why they don't play as well when he's in net and when Varlamov is, but the fact of the matter is you have to. Yes. And you have to score for this guy. Six periods of zero goals. Everyone complains. Well, well, I mean, he let in a softy here, let in a softy there. Doesn't matter if he let in 15 goals. Doesn't matter if he let in five. They, they haven't scored for him yet. They have not scored for him yet. Not once. And what does that do for confidence? Well, it doesn't because as soon as you let him one, you're saying, all right, I lost. But it puts pressure on Sorokin to have to be perfect. Yeah. And when, when you focus on trying to be perfect, you let in those weak ones because you're trying to overcompensate and – that Islanders have to score first. They can't go down in a hole because, again, they've gone down in a hole every time Sorokin's been in net, and they have never come out of it. So you just need confidence. And if Sorokin gets a lead, I'm sorry, if he gets like a 2 nothing lead, that lets him relax, and we'll see the Sorokin we've all been waiting for. I guarantee it. The problem is you don't let him, you don't let him get comfortable. And when he's not comfortable in that, he makes mistakes. He's a young guy, a lot of pressure on him. You just Defense has to be very good, and you have to see the Islanders' defense getting on the offense because the offense isn't doing it. Quite frankly, it's not doing it. Now, I don't want to put too much pressure on the defense to have to score and play defense because that's not fair. But we saw yesterday, Pellick making plays, Mayfield making plays, Dobson's been getting pucks to the net. Do that. Park, Lee in front. We know what it, The Islanders know what it takes to beat the Flyers. They played them in seven games in one. The last game was a 4-0 shutout win with Thomas Rice in net, who struggled during the regular season. They can do it with Sorokin in net, I promise. They just have to get it done, and tonight's the night. All right, so I'm going to say something that applies – mainly to the Rangers because I don't know the Islanders' schedule. I know they play tonight, but it's the same formula for the Islanders. Yeah, Rangers have played eight games so far this season, okay? They're done with the month of January. First month of the season, they're done two, four, and two. You got, what, they get six points out of a a possible 16. Bad start, but that's a wash. You got 48 games left. February starts new. They play February 1st. 48 games left. You got to go on a run right now. You got to start playing better. You throw that season, you look at your boys in the locker room and say, two, four, and two could have been a lot worse with how we played. Could have been better, sure, but we didn't play great hockey. Let's play great hockey now, and let's go on a run. They have six games to start this, uh, to start the next month. They play the Penguins again, then they play the Capitals, Devils, Islanders, and Bruins twice. They have to go four and two in those six games. And the reason I say that is because they play the Flyers the two games after that, and the Flyers dominate the Rangers. Dominate the Rangers. Could that change this year, like it did in the postseason with Carolina and the Rangers? Yes, but you want to get those. You want to go four and two. You want to get going, especially going into those two games. One of those games against the Islanders. Both teams could still be struggling at that point. That's a possibility. In which case, that becomes a pivotal game. Whoever could win that game is going to start to get that momentum going. You got to beat Pittsburgh once, right? Uh, so all I'm saying is that. On MSG last night, Stephen Valaket said the coaches are breaking the season up into four different game, uh, four game splits because it's, it's divisible. So there's 14 four-game splits in this season. The Rangers have two of them down, didn't do well in those two. You got 12 more of those four-game splits. Go get it. Same thing for the Islanders. You play one more time tonight and January on a good note, turn the calendar, and start to get back to Islanders hockey and get in a roll. That has to be the mentality. And they play the Sabres on Tuesday and Thursday. Then they play Pittsburgh Saturday. Rangers again next Tuesday. And then they're back against Pittsburgh and then Boston. So they have – yeah, you have to start fret. Yep. Rangers. The biggest thing for me is that you're starting off against the Sabres. All right, that is – there's no weak team. We've talked about it. There's no weak team. But you're starting against one of the weaker teams. You can't well, – points. That's a, that's a team that's 4-1-2 and two in their last seven. Yeah, but I would say there's I, – I don't believe in them at all. And that's just me, but I don't believe in them at all. I just think that I'd rather play Buffalo team than a, than a Pittsburgh, than a Rangers. Even the Rangers, it doesn't matter where they are in the, in the standings. But the point I wanted to make is we're seeing teams now get on streaks, which we didn't think was going to happen this year. We thought, okay, 
It was going to be tight all around, but you're seeing the Capitals finally lost. Did the Capitals finally lose? No, they won. No, they they won OT. They don't, they don't stop losing. You're, you're seeing teams that are going on winning streaks, which we didn't think was going to happen that often. But because there are winning streaks, that'll eventually end, which means teams like the Islanders and the Rangers can surely go on winning streaks and turn the page. Like you said, they have to be like, okay, we had a bad start to the season. Turn the page. Let's win this. Let's win this nest. Let's win the most amount of points we can in the next four games. The only thing that scares me about it is that every game is going to OT. Yes. The Capitals have won an OT four of their last five games. And anytime they lose, it's in OT. Which says something. It, you you got to find a way to beat these teams in regulation. And that's why the losses against Pittsburgh is so tough to swallow for the Rangers because they had that opportunity. And I can tell you, with the way they've played in the second period this year and the first period, they're going to have opportunities to close out these teams and be up against a team like the Capitals, right? It's inevitable because they've been up against everybody else so far. Can you close them out? You have to. And they start packing it in and playing like they did in 2012 when they were under torts, when they were that good defensively and could just pack it in. You can't do that now. you got to keep attacking, especially with the young team. And the Islanders are the same way. you got to make sure that when you're winning games, it's not an OT. If you lose an OT, you don't want to, but hey, you got the point. And this, this year, especially, you need that point. But if you're going to win games, you got to try to win in regulation, especially now that everyone has continued to get points. You have to be the team that knocks other teams down. You got to make these four point games. You can't make them three. Well, the crazy thing was the Islanders played in the, the Islanders were the only team to have yet played in an overtime game until yesterday. That That is crazy, especially in this division. So I will take the point. But that just shows how close it is one to eight. Which is great. Like I said, there are going to be very good teams. Let's say the Islanders don't make the playoffs. Does that mean they're a horrible team? No, they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Well, if they're stop. <laughs> no, but they, they, they had quote unquote they would have a bad year. But yeah. they're a bad team. You're just in a division where it's got off to a bad start, and everyone team else is winning. Every other team is winning. Excuse me. So that's what it is. But let's let's talk about uh, the Sabers and the Devils. Who you just said the Sabers are playing pretty well. They are. Uh, Winning a shootout yesterday, the Devils. Eric Stoll could still snipe in this league, Brendan. Did you see his snipe? I did, and they're, the Sabres announcer had – oh, my God. I love the Sabres announcer. I think it's Rick Janaret, if that's his name. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, classic announcer. And yeah. he said, oh, what a shot by Mark Stahl. And I started pissing myself because, one, Mark Stahl will never do that ever. Two – it's just too funny because he's called games against Mark Stahl for so long now being Sabres Rangers and he completely confused the two, but yes, that was some shot. And that was the only place he could have put that one. And it was perfect. And then Eichel did the same thing in the shootout, basically the same shot, the other side posted it. I go nasty. Now Taylor Hall to me, I don't know if it's just me or I haven't watched enough Sabre games. It doesn't look like the same Taylor Hall. He looks He's not catching the passes as much. He's not in the right spots as much. And I think, I don't know. He just doesn't look. He doesn't look explosive. That that's the word I would say. He's he doesn't look like the explosiveness, explosing whatever the word is, Taylor Hall that we've seen in the past. Because, you know, he was in spots where he could let one go or you know make a quick move, and he didn't do it. He got on a breakaway, but missed the like he didn't get to the puck in time. And I don't know. I was confused, but I thought that Omark had a very strong showing and he's not a bad goalie. I just think he hasn't been given the chance given the defense in front of him, but he stops 31 of 34. And then that's coming off a Rangers game where he got the loss, but it was the only reason that game went to OT. He stopped Lafreniere point blank twice. He stops a Banajad on a power play opportunity where he took an absolute rip from the sidewall on a one-timer and somehow he got the pad over there. He's played phenomenal the last two games, especially, and he's been very sturdy this whole entire season. Yeah, and it's just they got off to a slow start, and he let in a couple of soft ones that he's want he wants back. But he bounced back in a huge way, and that's something that is definitely going to sit well. And you notice how Carter Hutton hasn't seen the ice the last two games. I don't think he's going to see it anytime soon if Olmar keeps playing like this. Take notes, David Quinn. I just said it, it's crazy how you know you don't give him the credit because of how he's played regarding the defense in front of him, yeah. but really has been extremely solid. The, I will say this. They are a dominant face-off team. Dominant. And that is the reason I'm going to bet the Islanders when the two teams meet, because the Islanders are one of two teams who are actually better in the face-off circles than them. 
There's... And I think that if they can control the pace of play of the Islanders where they actually win those draws and limit Buffalo's ability to play with the puck, Buffalo's going to have a tough time scoring. So all mark on the year. The record doesn't matter. 2.56 goals against 9-14 save. Uh, about the faceoff, the Islanders have yet to lose the faceoff game in any game this season. They split yesterday 50%, but they have never gone under that at all this year. Now it goes to show the record how it doesn't necessarily impact it, but at the same time, you look at the Rangers. If the Rangers could win 45 to 55% of their faceoffs, their record's completely flipped because they've lost. Right now they're at 42 on the season. The Rangers. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just abysmal. But the Islanders have been usually dominating the faceoff dot. And what that does is the more important thing is they're winning the defensive zone draws. Like they win the offensive zone draws, they don't score. It is what it is. But if you lose the faceoff game in the defensive zone, you're, you're, putting, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I know the Rangers do that a bunch of times. And it's just, it's unfortunate. But to go back to the Sabres, they're paying Jeff Skinner. He was, he's on an eight-year, $72 million deal. He has an assist in nine games, and he's playing on their fourth one. He juked him. Oh, he completely juked him. He juked him and tore everybody's ACL in the process. It's it's sad because he was dom- He had a dominant year in Buffalo, and then just nothing. And my brother was calling me because my brother goes to school in Buffalo, and he watches Buffalo Sabres. He had a lot of friends. He's like, what? why start him on the fourth line? Like, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, he's not good. He's like, what do you mean he's not good? He used to be so good. I'm like, yeah, but got other guys that just stepped. Olafson stepped up. You got Olafson, by the way, might have the best shot in the league, not named Ovechkin. He has, he has the best first shot on that team. I have not seen somebody who, first of all, when he misses the net, it sounds like somebody dropped a nuke next door to Key Bank Center. Second of all, his one time release is so accurate, it is absolutely absurd. He's extremely talented. And then you have him on one side and Eichel on the other. That power play is filthy. He's got eight points in nine games. But to go back to Skinner, Skinner is a talented player that doesn't do necessarily the little things well, and their new coach, Ralph Kruger, does not like that and demoted him right away. And that's why he's starting on the fourth and third lines because if you're not going to do it, why do I have to play you? We just signed Taylor Hall. Olafson's coming into his own. We have younger guys that can step into those minutes. And I think that there might be a team that reaches out to Buffalo at some point in this year and says, hey, we need scoring. We, we saw what could happen when Skinner switches teams, right? <laughs> yep. So maybe eat half of his contract. We'll take the other half and see how this goes. But it's going to be tough to move that in a flat cap. So, so he they might be stuck with him on their fourth line for two, three more years until the cap starts to go up and somebody's willing to take a chance on him. Do you know what their new um... – their new power play strategy is what the uh, the Sabres put Rissalainen in front of the net. I did see that, and that is genius Worth. because we've played Brendan on teams where we put the tallest guy in front of the net, and it works. So I don't know if other teams are going to start. I mean, like if you're the Capitals, right? I know you want Charlie taking that one timer, and they don't. Their power play is already too good, so again, it doesn't really matter. But imagine you had freaking. Is Dano Char in front of the net on, on your power plays? It's the crazy. The only thing is you have to trust whoever's in front. They have to have the willingness to stay in front long enough to make an actual screen where they're not moving too early, yep. which is a skill. It's not you just park your behind there because when that puck's getting ripped at you, your first instinct is to move. you got to be able to stay, 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 and then move. So the goalie really can't see it. And the other is do they have the hand-eye coordination to actually corral rebounds or tip pucks? Char is so big. Yeah, Char can. I don't know if he can, and that's not a knock on him. He does his job really well, but I don't know if he's got the coordination in front to be able to do that. Ristolainen is a very skilled defender. He's a very offensive-minded defenseman, especially when he came over. He hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype, but similar to any type of defenseman who's offensive-minded that hasn't lived up to the full height, he still has that skill. That skill doesn't go away. So he's got the ability in front. And it's a, it's a genius move. He's a six five guy. He's huge, really hard to move. He knows how to play in front because he is a defender. So whatever the defenseman's trying to do to him, he knows what he's going to do. He can be able to move around it. It worked yesterday. They got a goal off of it. Yeah, and he, they're they're at twenty eight point six percent in the season. That's tenth. Well, mean, they they move the puck side to side so nicely. I mean, you got a guy like Jack Eichel. I mean, he, he's very good, and Darlene. Yeah, he hasn't played great defensively, but he's still an offensive threat every night. And 
not the seat. The Saber team is more fun to watch than they've been. And that helps with Taylor Hall, even if Taylor Hall is not being Taylor Hall. We got veterans like Eric Stoll gets a huge goal there. And they're, Stoll, they're trending in the right direction. Everybody with flow this year. Is it because the barbershops are closed and they're not allowed to leave? I don't know, but Eric Stahl's hair is absolute, absolute beauty style right there. That is. But yeah, but I don't like Eichel's flow. I feel like everybody's getting flow. I think that speaking of flow, Mika Zabanajad needs to get a haircut and then he'll start playing better. That stuff's too long. He got Tarzan like hair. Too long. It's a phase. Do you think he's playing like this because they didn't name him captain? Um, do I think? <sighs> no, I think Kreider's playing the way he is because he wasn't named captain. I don't think it has any bearing on Sabanajad. I think Kreider really expected it and didn't get it. I think somebody's just got to be named the captain at this point. I mean, yeah, you should have one. You should have at least one guy leading. That, see, this is the problem, though, because not, not the problem, but if you don't get the captaincy, doesn't mean you're not deserving of the captaincy. They think someone else is a better fit. Doesn't mean you still can't be a captain without the C. Like, you can't lead by example. You can't do things. It's not like you've been stripped of any leadership role. Ryder said the C on the jersey is more for the fans than it is for the team. Probably. Because it's not one person leading in the locker room. Andy, and that's fine. Andy Green and Boychuk were leaders, are leaders in the locker room. Boychuk Who's leading right now, then? Because if somebody's leading, somebody's got to step up and say, we don't do it. And I honestly think Kreider is because Kreider's post-game press conference yesterday when he was talking to the media, he goes, this is just terrible. we got to find a way to win these games. We can't be blowing these leads all the time. And he's very blunt about it. And I'm assuming he's going to be that blunt with his teammates. The problem is when you go out there and play abysmal hockey and are invisible for the majority of the game, it's kind of a shallow sentiment. Like your two leaders last year were Kreider and Zibanejad. Both have been arguably two of their worst forwards all season. So you got to show something. You got to step up here. But, yeah, but that, that's a back to the range. We were talking about the Sabres. And I think we got to mention the Devils, too, because they've been upstart, and Jack Hughes looks unreal. Uh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to get hate. I'm going to say it. Jack Hughes is playing the way we want Barzal to play on a consistent level. Jack Hughes right now is consistent Barzal. If Barzal could play the way he played in game one against the Rangers every game, He's playing to Jack Hughes' level. Right now, Jack Hughes is on another planet and showing what happens when your top centerman plays consistently every single night. Jack Hughes looks unreal with the puck on a stick and with the puck off a stick. He's actually going to dirty areas. He's winning puck battles. He's thinking ahead of everyone else in the rink, and it's looking easy. And this is what they expected from Jack Hughes. This is not what they got. This is not the last year Jack Hughes. This is a Jack Hughes taking it to another level exponentially. He put on weight in the offseason, and he is dominating the ice and look at the devils. The devils are not a team that anyone expected, I guess, except me to not finish last in this division right now. They're three points out of the fourth seed. They are a point ahead of the Islanders and two points ahead of the Rangers and two points behind the, the Sabres. But again, we're so early and you're just, you're just seeing it from the devils. You're seeing this, you're seeing a team that looks like they're playing for one another. And Lindy Ruff has done a fantastic job with getting this team to buy into whatever system he has in place. Because again, like I said, Jack McLeod, first off, I he has a one NHL goal. But his speed and getting pucks deep and what he does every night can't go unnoticed. He's playing great. Jaeger Who? McLeod? You say Jack McLeod? No, I didn't say a first name. I heard Jack. Mike McLeod. If I did say Jack, I apologize. Yeah. Mike I think McLeod. you confused him with Hughes. Well, no, I, I didn't. I definitely confused their play because McLeod's been great. But Sharon Govich got another break. Um, has his chances. We saw yesterday. Yes, for Brack getting a breakaway and miss it, and then he, he had a chance. And uh, watching the Binghamton Devils that we watched last season yeah. as interns. It's really exact. Ty Smith. Can we talk about Ty Smith for a second? This defenseman, Ty Smith, is twenty years old. This guy is an absolute stud. In eight games, he has two goals, five assists, seven points. But the more important thing that I saw was his play in his own zone. He is so reliable. The plays he makes slow the game down to break out on the power play. He's on the top unit. 20 years old. Ty Smith. But they're giving giving a chance to succeed. They're giving, exactly. They are doing the exact opposite of what the Rangers are doing with their young kids. And it's working right now. Right, they're they're not the best team in this division, but they're getting there because of how they're treating their young players. 
Hughes gets every opportunity. He gets ample opportunity. And yes, they don't have a situation like the Rangers where they don't have a Panarin there already. They don't have a Zibanejad or players like that who have proven track records where they should be on the top unit, sure. But they're giving their young kids more opportunities to play. Capo Caco should not be on the third line of this team. He should be playing on that second line. He was slated there to play in the beginning, so let him play there. Why is Lafreniere getting the chance to go from the third line to the first line when he hadn't scored? But Kako's not given that same opportunity. Like To me, it's mind-boggling how that works. Why is Jacob Truba still on that second unit when you have Keandre Miller, who's clearly helping the team a lot more on offense than he is, and defensively at the same time? Why not give him that chance? The Devils are. If the Devils treated Ty Smith like the Rangers are treating Miller and all these young kids, guess what? He wouldn't have eight points. You're right, and the other thing about the Devils is Kyle Palmieri has not scored yet. There's a lot of slow starts this year. But that's okay, though, because the Devils have Jack Hughes scoring. He has three goals. Miles Wood, who most people look at him and go, yeah, bottom six forward. Unreal. He's got three goals already. Ty Smith's got two. Zaka's got two. And Zajac, who just seems to – Keep getting older, but still doing his job. He's got two. Bastion's got one. Sievens, uh, Severson's got one. Kokinen got his first NHL goal the other day. Yep, back That's to cool. that. That's it. I think it was he's played a bunch of games. He just never got a goal. I think he played 10 or 15 games. Was, I think that was his 20th game. 20th even, yeah. I mean, yeah. final scores. That's great. McLeod's got a goal. Janssen had a snipe yesterday. See that shot release? That shot was crazy. <laughs> and That's then, a bad play with a defender, though, because he had a stick in the lane. He kind of moved it, yeah. But – um. They're getting these young guys scoring, buying to a system. It's going to be, you know, we talk about how good this division is going to be, and we'll see what happens next year. I'm assuming they go back to their usual divisions, but nothing's guaranteed in life anymore and with the way everything is gone. But the Devils are an up-and-coming team as well. And if Black, first off, Wedgwood's been unreal. He's kept his team in it every chance he's had to. He's been great. He's played himself in these minimal games into a contract next year as some teams back up. Whether the Devils keep him, which they might, they very well might, but he has played well enough where some team is going to say, hey, you're my backup goalie next year. Like if, if the Ducks, right, if Ryan Miller finally retires and the Ducks are looking for a backup, he's going to have the opportunity. Why not with the Devils? No, they, they could very well keep him, but I'm saying that's another team that might be interested in what he's done so far. The reason I would say stay with the Devils is because you haven't seen Wedgwood have success anywhere else at the NHL level. Now, it's been not a, a bunch of time, but if he continues to play like this all year and he backs up Blackwood, once Blackwood returns and he plays well, I don't think he wants to change the scenery. I think he's like, okay, I found a fit. I play yeah. well in the system. I wouldn't leave. Well, this is his second time with the Devils. His second yeah. Stint. But I, it, yeah, he didn't play much, though, at the NHL. He never, never would have known if he was capable of this had Crawford not retired. That's true. Well, it's a, the opportunity is born from things like that. You know, yep. you don't want to see Crawford leave. You don't want to see Blackwood, the number one goalie, go down. But you have a job to do as the number three string. And he came into camp as a number three. You, you, you did not. He didn't expect to play. I mean, he wanted to be ready to play, but he knew in the back of his head, like it was, it was probably not going to happen. Like Schneider with the Islanders, he's he's probably not going to play. I don't know no, if he the only way they play is if goalies get injured. Exactly. Now the funny thing would have been if Schneider stayed in the. Devils is black. Does uh, Wedgwood even get a chance? Because Schneider probably backs up over Wedgwood at that point in time. But I mean, we've talked about how good this division is, Brendan, and we're talking about the Sabers who look better, the Devils who look good. Every team looks good, even the quote-unquote Penguins who are on the down downswing with the guys they got are getting it done. It's tough. It is tough, and every team looks good. But the difference is every team looks good against every team. So even the Rangers, who are in last place and playing well, are going to OT against these teams, right? It's a razor-thin margin. The difference in this division is lapses. The Rangers happen to be the youngest team, and they're making the most of them right now, and they're in the eighth seed. But if they didn't make any of those lapses, which is a big if, if they minimize them, I should say, then that, that margin separate, they're jumping to fifth or sixth or you know even fourth potentially. So, and it's the same thing with the Islanders. Right now, they're making more defensive lapses than they're accustomed to. If they sew that up, then they're beating teams in front of them, and they're jumping up. And we're gonna we're gonna be seeing this. There is no way 
no way that what the one to eight is right now in the East or any division is going to remain the one to eight come game 56. No. I'm more nervous about the Capitals because they played, if you want to play, they played well without their stars. They, they, they won games without them, which they, you know, look at other teams that lose their top three players and their starting goalie are not winning. It is probably just probably not happening. They got a new coach. Yeah, Laviolette's a stud, and I mean, he's shown in the past how good of a coach he could be, but at the same time, they got it done. Now their stars are back, and they kick it off with an Ovechkin game winner in overtime. This Capitals team is in a very good spot to end this year in that top spot. Teams should have taken advantage. The Islanders, they did not. And now you see the Capitals going to run. And I'm not saying the Islanders have to catch the Capitals because for the Islanders' sake and for every sake, you just want to be in that top four. Anything You saw last year, anything is possible yep. once you get in. The Flyers were the four seed, correct? And then they did the round robin and were number one. Now you want to talk about the play in the round robin, but some teams didn't look like they gave it their all because it didn't really matter. It doesn't matter. You just got to get into the dance and then see what the Islanders didn't yep. even get it. They didn't make the playoffs, technically. Then, you know, statistically looking at winning percentage, all that, they make it in, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Anything is possible. We have so many more games left. Yeah. So the Rangers, again, the Rangers play on, when do they play? They play tomorrow. Rangers play Monday against Pittsburgh. Islanders back at it again tonight against the Flyers in a, a must win or they're at a five-game losing streak and they're just shooting themselves in the foot. But you need to see 100% effort. 60 minutes, Sorokin, surely to be in goal. I would be very shocked if we see Varlamov. So thanks for everybody that tuned into this morning's show. I know everyone's grumpy. We get it. Rangers overtime loss. Islanders overtime loss. We're grumpy too. But hey, always believe, as Isle Sign Guy said on our last episode, catch us again Wednesday from 6 to 7.30. We're going to have a great guest. And next Sunday, take care, everyone. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.